I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, Finding Yourself in Life's Little Moments. Hi, dear listener. So this podcast is going to be about what's happening and what can happen and how I believe that amidst this global pandemic, the situation that we find ourselves in, this unprecedented situation where so many of us are confined to our homes, where there has been a lot of suffering and continues to be, where everything has come to to an unprecedented degree, something of a standstill. So I hear sometimes on the internet or read in the papers that things are going to get back to normal. And there are people who are pushing for that to happen as soon as possible. And I have to tell you, dear listener, that when I hear that or read that, I pray that we don't. I pray that this time that we have found ourselves in, this time in which we are face to face now with our common humanity, our global interconnectedness, our personal connection to each other, the feeling of what is really often a frail human life, the fact that any of us can succumb to a virus, the fact that there are people out there who are selflessly putting themselves in harm's way in order to help those who are suffering. And some of those people have perished themselves. And all of this now is apparent to us because of how truly interconnected we are, how we can find out about far-flung places and people on this globe in ways that were never possible to this extent before. So this truly is a global phenomenon. And it's one in which we have, I think, an extraordinary opportunity. And I would even go farther to say obligation. Because when people say we're going to get back to normal, frankly, I shudder. And so many things rush into my mind and heart with that notion we're going to push things back to normal as fast as possible. And I ask myself and I contemplate what quote-unquote normal is. What is normal? What was normal? 
what is happening now that's not normal? What is happening now on this earth that is beautiful? What does it mean for the mountains, the magnificent mountains of this earth to become visible to those who otherwise lived in relative proximity to them but could never see them because of the smog and the pollution and now they're there. What about all the creatures been given a reprieve? What about all of us that in many ways we've been given a reprieve? We've had to slow down. We've had to slow down. So I really ask myself and I think I know in my heart <laughs> why I feel so compelled to resist the idea of normal. What kind of suffering, dear listener, was occurring on this planet before this pandemic started? What kind of suffering? There's still a lot of it. And both in terms of the suffering that the virus is causing but in terms of the suffering of many other creatures, the suffering that humans themselves experience. And so I'd like to share two specific kind of vignettes, which for me touch upon what really underlay normal. What really underlies what we call normal is a myriad of things visible and invisible that have compromised the well-being and happiness of untold billions of creatures and people around the world what we call normal isn't really normal at all. <laughs> so here are two examples. The first is inspired by an experience that I had just yesterday here in Sydney, Australia, where I live. We're allowed to go out to shop for necessities, for any medical or pharmaceutical needs, and to exercise. So like a lot of people here, and the days have been very beautiful, we've been blessed with very beautiful weather. I go out and I walk, I exercise. And I love going to a place particularly, dear listener, where they're beautiful trees. They're trees 
that are magnificent in their girth and height and stature, pine trees and eucalyptus trees. And there's one particular pine tree that stands in the middle of a sort of little bit of an open area. I kind of like to call this my secret garden. Even though the road is not far away, there's a feeling of protectedness about this little place. And I go there on my walk. And yesterday, I went there and I stood next to that pine tree. And I put my hand on it, on its rough, rough bark. And I felt its bark beneath my palm. And I stood there for a long time, feeling the texture, like corrugated, sometimes a little sharp under my hand, the feeling of the bark, the trunk of that pine tree that must have been probably 200 feet. It's a beautiful tree. And as I stood there, I felt this deep sense of ease come over me, of peace. And I felt the pine tree's presence like it could feel me sensing it. And I stood there for some time, you know, and it was almost like the pine tree became happy. It became happy that I noticed it, that I stood there with it, that I would feel its beautiful bark and treasure its presence. And I thought to myself, this tree is remarkable because despite all of the development and everything that's taken place around here, I live on the outskirts of Sydney, it's a fairly developed area. This pine tree survived. It survived the 100 or 150 or 200 years of its life to be there now. Now, so I could stand near it and feel its presence. And as I began to walk and continue on, remove my hand from its bark and move away, and I moved away and looked up at its enormous presence, its incredible height, so beautiful. And there were birds sitting in its branches, magpies and kookaburras who make that wonderful laughing sound. And they were loving sitting in that pine tree. And as I looked up, as I moved away slowly and looked up, I began to cry because what came to me was the suffering of the untold billions and trillions of trees, of plants, of shrubs, of living 
beautiful growing things of all sorts, flowers. that had been destroyed in the process of making this world what it is, of making our lives what they are. All these things you see, dear listener, they're invisible. They're the collateral damage of what it's taken to create the lives we live. And here we are, now, stopped. Really, this is an unprecedented time. None of us, I'm quite sure, has ever experienced anything like this. This global pause. And when I looked up at that pine tree, it just came rushing into me. what it's taken to create what we call normal. In the living world, what it's taken. You know, back when I was 10, in the late 1960s, they say that there were three billion more birds in North America, which is where I'm from, than there are now. There were untold numbers of butterflies and bees and all sorts of flying insects. I always remember, you know, I remember back then when you turned the light on in the evening, the insects would rush towards the light. They would usually be held by the screens in the house, but they would be moving over the mesh, the wire mesh, endeavoring to get to the light. There were so many insects. And you know, back then, we'd think of them as kind of a nuisance, especially if they got into the house. But now, dear listener, I miss them. I miss those insects, those flying insects. I miss them. So something, you see, is allowing us now this extraordinary time to begin to contemplate what we call normal, before we rush back into it, we can ask ourselves, what is normal? What do we call normal? What is the price that we and this earth are paying for normal? I ask myself that. And you know, there's a whole human dimension to this too. And after my walk yesterday, I came back and I was looking online. I looked on Facebook and I found, interestingly, a, a video someone had posted. 
and it's called Stepping Into the Circle. And the video portrayed a program that is taking place in a maximum security prison in the United States. A prison where many of the inmates will be there for a very long time. All men, mostly men of color, African-American, Hispanic, a few white, but not many. And this program, this video, depicted a kind of exercise that was undertaken with a number, large number of men at this prison. And what you saw was you saw video began and you saw all the men standing. It was kind of curious because you didn't really know what was going to happen and why what was happening was happening. But all the men were standing in a very large circle out in the exercise yard. They were in this very large circle. And in the middle was the woman who had organized this program. And she began with a simple question. Who among you has experienced abuse, verbal abuse? If you have, step into the circle. Every single man stepped in. And then she asked, who among you has experienced, when you were growing up, physical abuse? If you have, step into the circle. Nearly every man stepped further into the circle. And she asked, who among you experienced poverty when you were young. If you did, step into the circle, keep going, take another step. And almost every person stepped in. And then she continued, who among you didn't know if there would be anything to eat? When you were growing up as a child, who among you had the experience of uncertainty? If you'd have anything to eat, step into the circle. And many of them did. And by the end of it, you see, dear listener, the majority of those men had stepped one by one, one step by one, one question by one, had stepped into the circle further and further, revealing that they themselves, in their formative years, in those tender years of childhood and beyond, 
had experienced some of the worst things that human beings can experience. And as I was watching it, you see, dear listener, it was a very moving experience because after that, they then interviewed several of the men and they spoke more about their upbringing, about their childhood, about what had happened to them when they were young. There was one man who was 72 years old and he shared something of his early life. And the, all the other men listened and that woman also listened. She was there. She also began, she began by saying that she herself had been subjected to a brutal childhood. But because she was white and because she was female, she didn't end up becoming incarcerated. She could have, but she carried a certain privilege by virtue of the fact that she was white and she admitted that to all those men. And there was a kind of authenticity in the whole thing in what she said to them and what they said to her. It was very moving. But this one man who was 72 spoke about what had happened to him when he was young. And he broke down in tears. And after he described this awful upbringing, he said, you know, in my entire life, I've never had the opportunity to tell anyone what happened to me. And the men were there, they were there, and they were in tears, they were all in tears. No one had ever offered to witness, to listen, to ask, to be interested in what any of these men had themselves experienced for no fault of their own. And there they all were, in a maximum security prison, because most likely for things that they had done. And I could not help but be struck by the fact that in this human life, dear listener, pain begets pain. Pain begets pain. Pain leads to more of it. Suffering begets suffering. And this is something that we just, you know, it's like a, a deep and dark sort of hum that's going on in the background of what we call normal. Because even for those people who are not in a maximum security prison, so many of us have experienced hardship, and it goes on behind the scenes, you know. So often it's invisible, like the suffering of the natural world is so often invisible to us. The suffering that lies in our human heart 
is so often invisible. So here we are, we are here now with an opportunity, a sacred opportunity to begin to question what normal is. What really is normal? And what can we do now that we're so aware of each other in a way that has probably never occurred to this extent before, we're all have all stopped so that we can think, we can contemplate, we can ask ourselves, how can we now move forward into a new kind of life, a new life which is informed by a deep reckoning with a deep reckoning with what was. We have this sacred obligation and a sacred opportunity now to ask ourselves, what was it that we called normal? And what is it that we can create anew we can create a life that is so fundamentally, radically, incredibly, beautifully different. Where we turn the mirror upon ourselves and our whole individual and collective lives on this earth and the whole situation of the earth and say, now let's look and see what's possible. Let's face it all and see what's possible. And I'm going to say something that's going to sound, I think, (laughs) let's put it this way, I haven't heard anyone else say this, but it occurred to me that I think this time now is so significant, so profoundly significant, so critical, a crux point, a turning point, the cusp whereupon we sit at the, at the edge of the new. That if we take this opportunity then, you see, we will have been making, we will have made the most of what we've been given. And I think of all the people who have passed And I think of all the people who have suffered and all of us who have been affected in one way or another. And if we do this, if we can actually reckon with what we've called normal and face it with every ounce of our humanity in the light of day, then I would say that suffering wasn't in vain It wasn't in vain, dear listener. It wasn't in vain. So with that, I'll bid you adieu. As always, thank you for listening. I hope this finds you well. Take good care of yourselves, okay? Bye for now. Bye.